drowning was one of the most common mm-hmm. ways people died. Yeah. Children, yeah. especially. Yeah. And they thought there were monsters under there too, because there are monsters. You right. just see some of the stuff that comes out of the ocean. <laughs> You're like, what the heck is that? Yeah. They were scared of the sea and even this giant lake, you know, picture the ancient days when there weren't bridges. You know what I mean? What a huge thing this water was. They were scared of the storm. They were scared of the sea. They were scared of the waves as they were in their boat. And what did Jesus do? He walked all over that which scared them the most. And I think that's the same for today. God has conquered whatever it is that you are fearing the most right now. Jesus demonstrated that over and over, even with his own disciples. They were afraid of the waves. They were afraid of being overwhelmed. And how does Jesus reach them? He walks all over it. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, I think you're really going to be jealous of me because I don't know if you can see it in the background. I've got three pieces of birthday cake left over because I celebrated my birthday. It's all you, man. I don't eat cake. It's good. There's not even one cake. Uh, sometimes a little bit of carrot cake. More for but, me. Uh, not very often. My but... wedding cake was a carrot cake. Um, it was really. Yeah, pretty unique back in 1991. Yeah, you were a trailblazer. <laughs> kind of Never. <laughs> How are you? You got your office, Renew Hope Counseling, moved. Yes, and back into Dexter. Really nice. The feedback's been really great. So, yeah, happy with that. Happy That's to be so back great. in town. Nothing against Chelsea, but uh, Chelsea's a great town too. My town now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, today I wanted to talk about the psychology and the spirituality of connecting the dots. Okay, connecting the dot. What what dots? The dots that we don't connect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that clarified everything (laughs) up real quick. This is a really sharp (laughs) podcast. Yeah, I don't know about those guys, but yeah, exactly. And I think that it goes with one of my tendencies, and I think a lot of our tendencies, is we don't connect the dots of the positive things in our life. Okay, okay. so because connecting the dots, what you're saying is a metaphor. What happens in that metaphor? Well, there's some chaos, there is an order, it's unclear. Then as you start taking your crayon or whatever and, and follow along with the dots, then it becomes meaningful. Yeah. Right? Okay, is that what you mean? And a picture forms. Yeah. And the picture is always better than the mess of dots. But for some reason, spiritually, we don't connect the dots that I think that we need to in order to live better lives, in order to live new lives, in order to live with our roots and with the possibilities that are in front of us. Now, I think sometimes, and you may be able to speak to this, the opposite thing happened. Three bad things happened to us and we connect those dots. And we assume we're on some huge downward spiral. Yeah. So can I, I'm interested in, in the metaphor there of connecting the dots, because I think that that, uh, if, if I understand you correctly, that that's a big problem right now. And I think for me, and tell me if I'm wrong, um, people um, lack meaning in their life, right? The dots aren't connected. It's not whole. 
It's not one integrated. Fragmented. You know, it's fragmented, right? And we have a meaning crisis. We've talked about it on this show quite a few times. What's meaning? If you think that you're going to, the idea is to be happy in life and that's your sole purpose. And so, you know, it's binary. If I'm, I'm su- succeeding when I'm happy, when I'm unhappy, I'm, I'm not. Uh, that can't be true because there have been plenty of meaningful lives um, that didn't involve joy, right? Tough things that you had to do, struggles that you had to do, but the meaning is what moves us forward. So the relevancy of it, this is important. This matters. I matter. This project matters. That doesn't require joy. It's nice if you can get it, but it doesn't require that. Right. Think of that like somebody building a house or somebody going on a trip or somebody moving. And, And especially if you think of, you know, hundreds of years ago when people said we need to move, it's not like they experienced joy or happiness every day, but they had a larger goal, a larger purpose, a yes. vision for their lives in mind. Yeah. Well, think of raising children. It's really different when you actually do it, mm. right? You can't honestly say that most of it was joy because it's really tough, but people will say that that's the most important thing they've ever done is to raise a family, right? But do you agree with that? I do. I do. Yeah. There's the old joke, you know, before I had kids, I had three theories on how to raise kids. Then I had one kid and I had two theories of how to raise kids. Yeah. I had a second kid and I had one theory and then I had a third kid and now I got nothing. Right. Okay. I hadn't heard that, but that, that sounds right. (laughs) But yeah. And, and yet why is our goal for our children that they be happy? I don't know. So they get off our backs. Uh, you know, so, so I don't have to worry anymore, I guess. If you're happy, I can just go on with my life. Right. I don't remember my dad always wanting us to be happy. He wanted us to be good. Yes. But he was less concerned that we be happy at the same time. And he was a great dad. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Yeah. And well, one thing is um, we're a hedonistic culture, you know, um, from day one, it was, um, told to us through media and other sources that, you know, you have to have pleasure, right? And you have to avoid pain at, um, and, and seek pleasure. You think it goes back to like the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of? Yeah, the pursuit of happiness. So that means that, yeah, you get to, because a lot, look, pleasure is on the other side of pain sometimes, right? So to pursue it isn't um, happiness in, its, in and of itself, but you have the right and the freedom to do what, what could make you happy. Um, I don't think it's that as much as it is the marketing for products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The lure. And it, look, it's reflected in the church too. There are some people whose idea of going to church is to um, go and have, and it's great when you can, I've had those experiences before, but um, if that's the only reason you're going there, you're, you're, you're missing out. Yeah. 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 We don't need a whole group of spiritually fulfilled people because they've only got half the message. Mm-hmm. I don't trust it anyway. Life is tough. Sorry, you're going to carry your cross. So I read a, a response on a thread. This guy sounded like I did when I first came to the faith. When you first come to the faith, sometimes you get this like awesome period mm-hmm. of, um, of joy, um, but you're not going to have that forever. He's like I was at that point. He's like, no, Christ is all love and it's all this stuff. And I go, um, that's not going to last. Probably. And I didn't want to hear it when people told it to me either. No, so I didn't no. say it, but I'm thinking of it. Yeah. In the middle of the Bible, there is the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. And the book of Psalms are the book of songs for the Hebrew people. And if you open 
most Bibles about halfway through, that's where you find the book of Psalms. The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The So many amazing Psalms. 27, uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? Psalm 121, I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know this very well. Psalm 50, Psalm of Repentance. Yeah, 51. Mm-hmm. Cleanse my heart, oh God. Yeah. In the, in the Orthodox, it's 50. Oh, right. They number them differently. Yeah. That's right. And the book of Psalms has three time, types of Psalms. One are Psalms of integration. Everything is awesome. And the world is amazing. And we need to be able to express ourselves that way in those seasons. But then there's other seasons of disintegration. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good for your um, dots metaphor. Yeah. And and there's plenty of Psalms that say, uh, why have you forsaken me, God? Mm-hmm. My enemies are all around me. I'm falling apart, you know. And so so we need to be able to express those times to God as well, because God is with us in every season. Yes. When we open ourselves up to him. And if the dots are connected, you can bear that a lot better. During confession, I said, um, I forget my baptism. I do. I forget my baptism. Like I'm walking around like, like it never happened. And like, I wasn't a changed creature. The dots are not connected in those moments. Yeah. We're called to literally live a resurrected life. Yeah. And it's so new that we have a hard time doing it on our own. We need other people to show us, to walk with us, to see us. Remind us. This this is so not new. And I would be interested in your take as a psychologist in one of the more famous, it's in multiple gospels, stories of the disciples of Jesus who knew him. And so if you're up for it, I would like to read from Matthew 14, starting in 22. And the disciples struggled with connecting the dots and they were with Jesus. You know, a lot of us say, well, I believe in God if he would just show up and prove himself to me, mm-hmm. you know, give me irrefutable proof. Could you imagine what the world would be like if, if everybody was just calling up this miracle at the same time? Yeah. Like, like objects flying around and people right. levitating and. Right. So here's, <laughs> that's, that's a really wild image yeah you're the one that told me that you asked god to help you oh yeah (laughs) and and after the podcast i'm thinking about that i was like can you imagine how many people would be like levitating or flying and stuff if god was going to do that you know it's like like a marvel movie yeah but everybody can fly i like the unique superpowers there's Uh this there's this one named medusa she's a marvel character she's an inhuman and Uh her superpower is her hair she can lengthen it to like 40 feet and she can pick stuff up and throw it around she can whip it around she can glide with it that's a unique superpower i I have a unique superpower um if if you punch me in the ear i'll hold it and run backwards (laughs) it's my superpower that is unique you are unique so here's the deal jesus is with his disciples and he's teaching a huge crowd and they don't have anything to eat and and the disciples come to him and Jesus works through the disciples and this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And immediately, starting in verse 22, Matthew chapter 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples, he made them get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. This is of the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus dismissed the crowd. 
while Jesus dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, that's like middle of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. There is so much happening here, and I think it's is relevant today as it was when it was experienced by the disciples and recorded by Mark and Matthew and Luke. And here's the deal. The disciples are in this boat. They're heading out onto this giant lake that we call the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River feeds into it from the north and flows out of it from the south. There's mountains around it. And I think what messed up the disciples so many times that made them forget that they knew about Jesus. This storm made them forget. And I think that's a, a thing that happens to a lot of us. Especially in fear. Um, fear hijacks our, um, our, our intellectual faculties. We can't think. You know, we get blinded by fear. That's why watch it in the media. If someone's trying to scare you, we talked about it last week or the week before. And some people, I tried to say it in a way that they didn't, get mad about it, but we don't need fear to operate. We need, we can operate with courage too, right. And do the same thing. And I think more efficiently too, but if someone's trying to scare you or make you angry, um, they're manipulating you. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't know that they are. Yeah. But some of them know that they some are. Of them know just uh, like they, they know exactly what they're doing. It's a tactic, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but you're right. Some people don't know. Like I'm not going to be enough. I'm not going to be sufficient. I'm, I'm going to fall apart. It's not yeah. well for me. Yeah. Yeah. Those other people though, you've been around anxious people before, right? Very. They're very hard to be around because it's infectious. Um, mm-hmm. I think so is calm. You yeah. know, it can go that way too. It's not just the bad stuff that's contagious. Right, but right. Here's the deal. We, the, the disciples, Jesus disciples in the boat, forgot. Now, what had just happened? They had just witnessed God feed 5,000 people in the wilderness. And it's such a reminder, we fail to see what happened in the last hour of our lives that feeds me in this hour. Like they were fed. Everybody was fed. Equilibrium was had. A few hours later, they're on this boat battling against the wind and they're feeling completely falling apart in this. And here's the question. Why do we disconnect from the stories, from our past? Why do we disconnect from the fact that, you know what? Yesterday was a pretty good day for me, but 
I'm completely disconnected from that. And I'm fearing today. I'm not connecting the dots of, if you want to put it, God's faithfulness, if you want to put it, my mental state of well-being. And, and I want to know, doctor, why can I get through a day and be like, hey, that was a pretty good day and have to start all the way over emotionally the next day? Yeah, we can talk about this in a, a lot of different ways, but there is a negativity bias that we have. Other creatures have it too. You can see it. That's, you know, we have a lot of deer around. It's not an intellectual negativity bias, but they're very sensitive to threats because there are things out there, coyotes and uh, humans that can kill them, right? So they're hyper vigilant about that. So the world used to be, a, well, I mean, now... Three years ago, I would have said it's a safer place. I don't know anymore <laughs> based on what's going on. But um, we don't have the same type of threats that we had before. Okay, so we could talk about, but that's a low level resolution on this whole thing, which is like evolutionarily or whatever. But, but we're more than that. Spiritually, why do we do that? Like I said, I forget my baptism. Why do I forget my baptism? I, the dots are no longer connected. I know what they feel like when they're connected. It's a sense of well-being. You're taking care of maybe some um, humility or awe for Christ, uh, but it is a safe feeling. Um, it's full of meaning, right? I think that that's where the disciplines come in because um, that's true of everything. If we don't rehearse something, we forget it, right? So um, the Jesus prayer during the day, um, if you make the sign of the cross, those are things that remind us and connect those dots for us all the time because we do have a negativity bias because we're looking for threats. Right. Today's threats are really different. They're not saber-toothed tigers anymore. They're, oh, oh my gosh, um, am I going to fail this exam? Okay, that's not an existential threat. The saber-toothed tiger probably is. <laughs> but right. we still have that. Let level. alone the idea that um, of spiritual threats. Here's a question for you that somebody suggested, and I wonder if there's research to back this up, that something like 80% of our self-talk is negative. I don't know if that's true. There might have been a study that showed that. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if it were that high. Yeah. You know, my, my solution is don't think. We, 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 we think way more than we need to. Our minds are so busy, especially an anxious person. A lot of thought isn't required. In therapy, I'm not thinking. You know, I know what the goals, the treatment goals are, but I'm open to, mm. to what happens. I don't have to. Th I respond. Right. And the rest of the time, your mind can be quiet. We don't we practice that. There's a Christian in Christian prayer. You know about that, that, right? There's one where you're just open to the experience of the Holy Spirit, right? Not a lot of words, not a lot of thinking, not a lot of requests in that one, but um, just in the presence. There's a great book that actually changed my life, but had a huge impact on me as a musician and a performer. And I read it in college in the 1980s, and it was called The Inner Game of Music. There was a whole series of books, inner skiing, the inner game of tennis, inner golf. And the idea was if you eliminate interference, then your performance is going to equal your potential. Why don't we perform at our maximum potential every time we do something? It's because of interference. Yes, I agree. And so there's two sources that we have. We can improve our potential by practicing, training, lessons, rehearsing. Mm -hmm. And this goes for sports and all of it. Then the problem is we don't perform the way that we practiced. Uh -huh. we, don't, we don't perform in the game the way that we trained. We don't perform in the moment the way that we were prepping. 
And there's, there's this formula, capital P, your performance equals your potential minus your interference. And so obviously we need to train up our potential. We need to get stronger, faster, yes, thing better, more stable. We've got to do the scales and the runs and whatever else. So the licks, if it's guitar that we got to do, but when we get to the actual show, we blow it. There is so much that doesn't go right. Yeah. And we learn that there's this interference and one of the biggest interferences in us performing at our potential is what they call self one and self two self one is who you are in the moment self two is this little voice that's about two seconds behind everything that says oh you missed that note oh you missed that kick oh your hands are tingling oh your yeah. knees are knocking oh why did you do that and if we can learn to eliminate the interference of the self two yes then our performance equals our potential that self-talk that's negative runs through our days with us and like you're saying if we could simply quit thinking we gotta think about everything all at the same time analyze uh, evaluate right so chick sent me high as a researcher that used to be at university of chicago i don't know if he's still a professor or not but he had a concept of flow Right. So these high and these peak experiences where, you know, Michael Jordan's is just raining, he's hitting every bucket and or Kobe Bryant, or um, it's not just in athletics, but it often shows up in our spiritual life. It can show up too, but they're not thinking they're, they're, they're just the responding. Moment. Yeah. And time seems to be elongated. Even space is like they're, they're moving fast, but it seems like they've got all the time in the world to do it. They're not aware of that. So time perception is different, but everything just comes together. It, as if it's effortless, you know? I think there's really something to that. When you eliminate the negative thinking, when you eliminate that voice, you are in the moment. I know when I perform, there's sometimes where it goes so well. And I think back to what happened, I can't even remember. I just remember it felt so right. And I think that's because I shut off that self yeah. voice that was beating me up and analyzing me the whole time. Well, and I think that that is one of our interferences with connecting the dots how quickly we forget the miracles the beauty of being a child of god the fact that christ has done everything for us we can either use this as our excuse or we can use it to spur us on and how quickly we forget like the miracle of the feeding of the five thousand those disciples just earlier that day witnessed right. that not mm -hmm. only did they witness the miracle of the feeding of the five thousand they witnessed the miracle of a getting a boy to give up his lunch. Yes. Jesus multiplied. Right. <laughs> what we've already got. And one of the things that you could do that I've experienced a lot of people, I have a keeper drawer or a keeper file on my computer of letters of encouragement mm. of how God has literally worked in people's lives. And why is it that when I get a thousand compliments and one gripe, the one I think I remember is the gray. Yeah, that's the negativity bias. We're looking for what is wrong or going to go wrong rather than all of the things that have gone right and continue to go right. Um, but that's where the gratitude practice comes in. So rather than so take, taking our attention and, and um, because distraction is in the performance, that, that's the main thing. You can be very well rehearsed, but if you start to get distracted, especially by thoughts, like, oh, oh, here comes that part. Uh, do you remember it? And all that kind of, that's when you're off. Gratitude practice is, um, and, and you can do this in prayer, is it's taking our attention, finding the good, 
And it, right now you can find the good. You got three pieces of cake over there. Um, the walls are standing. <laughs> you have a church that's healthy, all that stuff. Thank the givers of all that. So like what you're doing with those um, notes, you're connecting, that connects you with people, all those things that, and, and people. And then you can be grateful to them for writing you that, that note. It starts with God and then it just sort of keeps multiplying that you can start all of your um, thanksgivings with God, but keep going. Thank you, God, for giving me who did this. And our physiology responds yeah. to it. It can be as simple as thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jesus, for getting me out of bed. Thank you, Jesus, yeah. that I could walk over to a sink and get a drink yeah. of water. Whatever. And if you're su- and if you're suffering, um, thank you for at least giving me the chance to get out of this. I can walk. I can. I have some resources. I have some people around me. I'm not in the middle of a battle zone. I hope. Um, right. You know, right. Um, you know, it's funny. My um, praying grandma, Florence Olson grew up on a farm just south of the Wisconsin border in Illinois. And one of her favorite songs, and I never really got it, and it sounded trite until this moment, went like this. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. It's He is never not working on me. Yeah, right. That is never not working on me each and every day of of my life. And there are some people, accounts uh, of of saints and others, that um, they thank God for the suffering. Mm -hmm. You put me in this place to do important work. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, just two other things to say about this that interfere with me connecting the dots in my life and seeing that I can trust God. One thing that I noticed in the story is what is the thing the disciples were most scared of the sea they were mm-hmm. most scared drowning was one of the most common mm-hmm. ways people died yeah children yeah. especially yeah and they thought there were monsters under there too because there are monsters you right. just see some of the stuff that comes out of the ocean <laughs> you're like what the heck is that yeah they were scared of the sea and even this giant lake you know picture the ancient days when there weren't bridges you mm-hmm. know what i mean what a huge thing this water was they were scared of the storm they were scared of the sea they were scared of the waves as they were in their boat And what did Jesus do? He walked all over that which scared them the most. And I think that's the same for today. God has conquered whatever it is that you are fearing the most right now. Jesus demonstrated that over and over, even with his own disciples. They were afraid of the waves. They were afraid of being overwhelmed. And how does Jesus reach them? He walks all over it. Yeah. I was thinking earlier that surrender is a big part of this too. If you want to, you find your life by losing it, right? Mm-hmm. So what just said in Matthew, you have to surrender. And once you surrender, but you have to have faith in that surrender too, that no matter what, it's in God's hands. You know, we don't know if it's good or bad, even it's in God's hands right now, but you have to have his will and not your own to find that peace, you know, because right now, like I'm not a fearful person at all anymore, but I used to be, I'll still have the dull ache of something painful is coming though, but it's not fear. I'm not running from it. Right. Right. I'm not afraid to feel that anymore until it passes, you know, two other things I think that get in the way. One is pride. Yeah. And it's like, I need God to chisel away my pride. Yes. That's my, the second thing is this, and this has hit me so much as I was thinking about this, my satisfaction with mediocrity Oh, wait. Okay. What, what do you mean by that? Your satisfaction with your actor? Like that. a B plus, that's good enough. 
Is that a problem though? For me, a B plus isn't a problem, but for okay. me, I really was confronted last week when I heard this great preacher mm-hmm. in person, you know, it even led me to the altar. And he said, he said, some of us need to let go of our addiction or our satisfaction with mediocrity. And, and that was so convicting for me because I just treat so many things casually that because I do live in this um, pretty amazing state of peace most of the time. But when it comes to how I treat my wife, I make mediocre decisions instead of being proactive or making good decisions or something beyond mediocrity in my life. I know exactly what you mean. I'm just trying to tease it out because um, there's the other side that can be a problem. So I think this would work for me. On the important things, like my wife, for instance, mm-hmm. on the real important things, my kids, God, um, no mediocrity there. But as far as these other things, I just need to be adequate. I don't have to be perfect. I just, on the things that aren't the highest, most important things, okay, I can, I can live with being adequate. Adequate means when I hire somebody for the clinic, I want them to be adequate. I'm very clear about what I want treat these diseases or these disorders and um, do the paperwork and, uh, you know, show up on time. Just no more. Just be adequate. You don't have to be a superstar. Don't over. Matter of fact, I don't want you overworking. I don't want you burning out all that stuff. So, um, but these other things, you know, like God and and the people who are very, yeah, I think that you're right. Don't, don't be, be excellent there. Inspire. And, and I just, I settle for less than the best in terms of some of the optional stuff that really shouldn't be optional. I treat faith casually. I treat stuff like that. And, and that has prevented me from seeing how God has continually shown up in my life with this. My, my goal is to be a water walker. You know, a lot of us say, Oh, Peter failed. He looked at, he looked at the winds and the waves and he started to go down and he prayed the shortest prayer ever. Lord save me, which occurs to me, some people may have never prayed that prayer who are tuning in. Lord, save me. Yeah. And if you want one, um, the Jesus prayer, I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. What words, what exact words do you use? There's a short one version. There are different versions. The short version would be Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. You just say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, but really focus on who you're speaking to or, or Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner is a longer version of it, but just, just Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. And mercy doesn't mean don't punish me for all the bad things that I did. Mercy means to, to come and comfort me. You know, that's, that's what the, I don't know the Greek word um, for it, but that's, oh, I know it's mostly for most of us. It's mostly, you know, right. we have right. a w- warm place. We have food, we have Wouldn't that be awesome in my life if I connected these dots like that? And practice so it becomes automatic. Yeah. Yeah. And live from one experience to the next, not not as an orphan every day. Yes, that's right. Start again. Is the spiritual life, I think DT Suzuki said that uh, is um it's one endless mistake. (laughs) That's how my spiritual life feels. And then the better you get, the higher your standards go. So I, I've got to work on that a little bit. Like, I, I feel like I'm not doing enough. And um, Well, God's going to keep pouring more and more and more love in our lives. That's what we call sanctification. That does, you know, it's holiness. It's not just demonstrating crazy spiritual craziness. It's, it's yeah. holiness. Yeah. And when you have 
Christ as the model for it, you're always going to, one of my um, kids, one of my twins friends was over, he's a Lutheran. Um, mm -hmm. And he says, um, a good sermon is when he leaves feeling like SH. <laughs> he said, that's a good sermon. Show him how bad he is. Oh man. <laughs> what I say it. is my goal every Sunday when I stand up to preach is to comfort the afflicted uh -huh. and afflict the comfortable. Okay. That's a very good way of doing it. Yeah. Hopefully some of that's happened. Listen, why don't I close this in prayer? Yes. Okay. Man. Lord, thank you so much that you conquered the winds and the wave, that they knew your name and backed off, that you walked all over Peter's greatest fear and the disciples' greatest fear, and you walk all over our greatest fear. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the boats, in the midst of the journey that we're on, in the midst of everything that we feel is coming at us, you, Jesus, are the most real thing in the universe. And you reach us whatever stormy seas we feel like we're on. You reach us, you bring peace, you bring calm, and you do it in the midst of the journey, not when we get to the end. So we look to you for that. And I thank you so much that you enable us to connect the dots. We don't start out as an orphan every day, but we start out with what you have done in our lives already. Lord, we do counter blessings and ask God that you would help us to spur those blessings on into this day that we would live that way for other people in the midst of their storms. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.